Uh, okay, I'm going to dive straight back in and continue where we were last week. We've been in our Set for Life series and uh, just trying to do some really relevant messages that set people up for a win. I guess it has been particularly aimed at younger people, but I think they're applicable to all. And uh, before I start tonight, just to let you know that uh, the content tonight will actually probably be, you know, for mature audiences, M-rated. And I often give this qualifier to that. If you look at some of the ads that are on television, I think some of them are probably MA-rated anyway. But uh, if you do have a young person here um, and you, you think that they're maybe not mature enough for some adult themes on sexuality, etc., then uh, that's why we have a kids program. So now I'll leave it up to the discretion of mum and dad and, um, and we're going to sail on and look at part B of, um, of some wisdom on building quality relationships. And uh, last week we, uh, I gave this proverb, Proverb chapter 4 verse 7. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. And by principal thing, you know, really what Scripture says is saying is, is this is the foundation, the principal thing, the main thing when it comes, if we talk about building our lives with integrity, the main thing that we can get a hold of is to get a hold of wisdom because if you start well and you begin to build well with wisdom, it's the foundation for everything else that your life will rest upon. So we started and we started being practical. I can hear Dan saying, amen. It is so good to see you guys back from your honeymoon. I, I missed you guys. I missed you guys. I had fun marrying you guys too. You, you know, some people are just cool to marry. These guys were cool to marry. And, uh, and there was nice food at the reception too, and I really enjoyed that. So last week, I guess I, uh, I, I shared a message called Facts from the Moon. And the whole thought was last week was our 29th wedding anniversary. This is your one, two, three week, three week wedding anniversary already. Wow. Well, for us, it was 29 years. And the whole thought was, you know, I, I don't pretend to know everything about relationships, but I can tell you what, after 29 years being married to the same person, I, lo- I know a lot more than what I once did. And so the thought was the view from the moon was maybe just a little bit of a higher perspective, uh, looking back at life and relationships. And here's, I want to run over the thoughts from last week just to catch everyone up. Is that okay? First thought was this, you can see trouble if you're willing to look. When it comes to relationships, you can see, and we're talking about, you know, obviously romantic boy-girl kind of relationships. And, and I know that we've got a room full of people on a broad spectrum of experience and your journey and where you're at. But this was the topic I'm speaking specifically to. You can see trouble if you're willing to look. You know, the, the worst person to deceive is yourself. And one of the tendencies going into relationships is to let love blind you. Um, but you can see trouble if you're willing to look. Second thought is commitment is overrated. Commitment is overrated. In other words, making a commitment will not change you, who you are, and it won't change who they are. Uh, you might just be committing to the wrong thing. So commitment's overrated unless it's in preparation during your relationship then it's not overrated. Okay, third thing was stay out of the fog. 
stay out of the fog. Romance is awesome, but it's a fog and it's exacerbated. That fog is exacerbated or thickened by physical and sexual experiences. The bad good news that I shared with you, the bad good news is that you're sexually compatible with millions of people, (laughs) which sounds awesome for some of you. What's the problem? You're not necessarily relationally compatible with that many. That's where the problem enters in for people. And my last thought in the end was one day you're going to meet someone who you want to share your whole life story with. Therefore, live in such a way that it's a good story to tell. Cool. Are we ready now for part B? Part B. Part B is uh, questions answered from the moon. (laughs) Okay, questions answered from the moon. And uh, these are some, I think, questions that are in the minds of some people, of of Christian people uh, at times. And some of them are questions that I knew you weren't going to ask anyway, but I think you should. So I'm going to ask them for you. Okay, how's that? Here's the first one. What about online dating? Are you ready? Are you ready for tonight? Okay, I'm going to sit down and relax because I've been going all day. <sighs> cool. What about online dating? Well, uh, putting the obvious potential for abuses aside, using it for shallow hookups or, or whatever, putting that aside, I think it has positives and negatives. I honestly do. Uh, it's certainly here and it's here to stay. It's a trend. Um, so now I'm talking about if it was used appropriately with the right motives. Uh, here's some thoughts. It's got positives and negatives. Here's the first uh, positive and its corresponding potential negative is you will meet more people. Now that's a positive, isn't it? I mean, some of you are married, some of you are committed in relationships and some of you are hoping to be by the end of the night. So at the end of the day, here's the positive and the negative. You get to meet more people, increases your chances of meeting the right person, Uh, but too many options. So you have access to many people in finding a potential partner, the potential to bog down endlessly searching for a perfect partner rather than investing yourself to build a satisfying relationship. There's the danger. Uh, Second thought about it is it removes much of the fear uh, of having to put yourself out there. The negative is it potentially undermines your need to develop socially. So obviously, firstly, uh, there's nothing more frightening than putting yourself out there to initiate contact in this sphere. Uh, For some people, some people seem to be able to do that naturally, but for many, it is like one of the most horrifying and, uh, and it will bring out every security in you to have to put yourself out there. But here's the problem with that. But it, it removes that. It's, it's anonymous and it, it removes a, a certain amount of that. Uh, the problem is, is that the need to cross the room and, uh, and break into different circles socially is what teaches you how to be confident, 
it's what teaches you how to be outgoing. And I think with so much that we consume nowadays being prepackaged and complete, there's a bit of an expectation that you've either got it or you don't. Uh, you either got confidence or not. And there is a danger that we can refuse to develop by hiding behind technology. And this is well understood in the whole social media sphere, the whole Facebook world. It's well understood that uh, you don't necessarily need to be able to develop socially at all. You can hide behind a screen. And uh, I don't know whether you've ever experienced this, but you know someone on Facebook and then you meet them and they just ain't the person they are on Facebook. Uh, and, and that's a potential issue with this. Here's the last thing. Are you doing okay? Doing okay? Um, the ability to filter who you attempt to connect with, that's a good thing. Uh, not getting a clear picture of who they really are can be the negative side of that. So there is an, an advantage to checking them out first before you commit to meeting or whatever. Uh, just remember that while you're doing that, strangers are doing the same to you, which is a little bit creepy, <laughs> but just remember that. Uh, the negative to it is, is, as I said, you might not get a clear picture of who they are. It's easy to morph values. It's easy to morph and that they just might morph back to who they really are after you've actually connected with them. Whereas if you tend to meet people offline in the flesh before there's interest shown, if you saw that same person in a group with friends, you'd have a, fair, a far better chance of seeing them without their game face on. Do you understand what I mean? So without pretending to be all awesome, if you observe someone and you select you know, a potential part out of a group of people that you know, you've had the opportunity to see them in real life, the way they treat people, what their values really are. So there's some of the pluses and some of the negatives. Have I answered that question okay? Should we proceed to question two? Okay, it's a little bit linked. Um, and, and again, remember, this is about finding wisdom. So I'm just trying to throw some things out there that help you find wisdom for your unique circumstance. Uh, here's the question. Is there more than one potential partner for me? Well, going by the above information, certainly in some areas, yes, of course there is. It is ridiculous to think that you've got to narrow your life down to find one perfect person that's just going to meet all your needs. The fact is, many people on this planet could be a great partner for you before you're in love and have made a commitment. There's lots of options. Once you've made a commitment to someone, then it narrows the field. Otherwise, it's very unfair on the person who thinks you're committed to them. And it's very unfair for them to think differently too. And I think there's like a finding the right, the right person myth that we need to dispel. Um, 
because people falsely think if they meet the right person, it's just going to work out. And it's not true. It's not true. The fact is most people that have been married, that have cohabitated, that thought that they were with the person they always wanted to be, when those things break down, they realise that they're not with the person they always wanted to be. That's why those things break down. So finding the right person is a myth. It's actually about becoming the right person in a relationship. Okay, moving right along. Here's another question because I want to the, I get to the sex bit. Is that okay? So I'm moving through really quickly. What about living together? What about living together? The old try before you buy. Well, aside from the obvious Christian's, Christian values issue, I want to ask you a question. If you knew there was a 70% chance of having an accident on your next journey in a motor car, would that make you not wear your seatbelt? <laughs> that, that would actually make you want to put your seatbelt on, wouldn't it? Or maybe avoid going on your next trip in a motor car. Okay. Well, here's the latest Hilda study stats for Australia. And this is household income and labour dynamics in Australia. Approximately 33% of marriages in Australia end in divorce. Okay. Uh, if you're one of our young marrieds, don't feel bad yet because it's really interesting when you dig into what those figures actually represent. De facto couples who didn't get married were six times more likely to split up than people who married after cohabitating. So understand that our government recognises long-term de facto relationships as marriages now. They are part of the statistics. So let's break it down. Again, de facto couples who didn't get married were six times more likely to split than people who married after cohabitating. But de facto's who married were 7.8 times more likely to split up than people who married without cohabitating. Massive statistics. It basically works out 66% chance of it breaking down. That, that, that gives you a pretty small chance of building a successful relationship if, uh, if you go that way. And this is not, please, 77%. Here we go. Here's what tilts the statistics. 77% of Australian couples cohabitate before getting married. In other words, of the 33% of marriages that break down, a massive swag of that percentage is people who built their relationship a certain way. Now, this is not, please, can I say, um, this is not to demonise anyone. This, that's not the point. What I'm trying to point out is that marriage is not the problem. So if you've ever seen marriage, who's ever heard someone say, I wouldn't bother getting married. You look at marriage statistics, everyone's breaking up. It'd be interesting if you said to them, you know that the great bulk of that statistic are people who lived together before they were married. 
and you're able to say, maybe for me, I intend to do it differently and find myself in a different percentage bracket. Now, I know there could be people here who have done all the right things and it's no guarantee that life will work out. I do understand that. I guess what I'm, I'm saying is that marriage is not the problem. The way people conduct their relationship is. That's where the problem is. So as a strategy for building a long-term relationship, try before you buy is a big, fat... That rhymes. I thought that was really, really clever. Um, And this, again, please can I say, we don't judge or criticise. These are statistics, okay? And here's the power of that. Because you could say... So why don't people determine to build well? Here's two reasons. One, most people can't make decisions on facts but on emotions only. It's one reason that even in the face of the facts, people can't do it. The second thing is every dumb thing we do, we do because we believe we're the exception to the rule. From riding push bikes with no hands to whatever, to, you know, try before you bite, whatever. We always think we're not the one that's going to get hit. And so we tend to take the risk. We are unique as people, but our stories aren't unique. And that's where statistics don't lie. So it's enough to make me want to do a relationship series in the church, but not tonight. Okay, here we go. Last question. What is sex anyway? Um, And yes, I know no one is asking that uh, because we all think we're meant to know. But the way I see people damage themselves with this, I thought I'd just ask anyway. Here's what I observe. Our society treats sex as if it's just physical, just reproductional. So the issue becomes things like contraception, the morning after pill, abortion, the things that are the physical result of sex. Uh, It's almost as if, if sex was just physical and not reproductional, then it wouldn't be any issue at all. And almost 100% of the conversation in our culture around sex is about the physical. It's about pleasure. It's about contraception. It's about those physical issues. But sex isn't just about that. It goes way deeper. And and I'm going to give a couple of illustrations that, you know, are... In a sense, they're terrible, but they bring home the point. There is a vast difference for a woman to be assaulted and robbed than what there is for her to be raped. Anyone who's had to sit with someone or walk the journey with someone knows that that is absolutely true. No matter how beaten up, she might get in a robbery, it is different when it's rape. 
When a child is sexually abused, it is vastly different to a child being physically abused. All of these scenarios are terrible. They are all horrendous. But there is a difference when our sexuality is touched. People who have experienced those terrible things tend to struggle with intimacy and sometimes can never overcome it. That's why you can never just say, get over it. Because we know long after physical issues have healed, if they do, there are deep emotional issues to deal with. See, there's no such thing as contraception for your emotions. They don't make an emotional morning after pill. Memories, regret, rejection can span a lifetime. It can be healed, but I'd rather stop and urge you, wisdom, stop at the fence at the top of the cliff rather than gamble that the paramedics can put you back together at the bottom. Uh, That would be my advice and my wisdom. Here's what God says about sex. Bottom line, enjoy it inside the context of the lifelong commitment of marriage. And when you meet that person you want to tie your life to, you shouldn't just experience sex again with someone different this time. This should be new, different and special. To know and to truly be known without fear. And you might say here tonight as I bring this to a conclusion because you've all got real quiet on me. You know, you might say, well, Chris, it's too late. It's, can I just say to you, it's never too late to build your life well. No matter what has gone, your past does not have to define you. That is a choice. What you focus on and the way that you do tomorrow. You know, I love this about scripture. It says God's mercies are new every morning. In other words, every day we wake up is a brand new day. It's just like when you're at school and you get an exercise book and you get, you know, I used to love getting a new exercise book and you open and there's a fresh page. And our lives are like that. And that's our choice. And if things have happened that you need to seek healing for, then please talk to someone you trust. Talk to a leader. Book in an appointment with a pastor. Do something so that your past does not remap your future. Uh, Jesus is awesome at giving us a brand new start, no matter what has happened in our lives. And so uh, I pray that tonight we take some wisdom from some of that. Wherever you're at, wherever your journey's at, whatever you need, I think there was probably something in there for every one. You doing okay? Can I pray for you? Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? Thank you, Father.
Lord, your word tells us to get wisdom. It's the principal thing. And so, Father, I I pray, Lord, your word also says that if we ask of you, you give wisdom literally, liberally. And, And I pray for that, for people in this place that right now are just seeking a download of wisdom. Come on, if that's you, why don't you just reach a hand to heaven? And you just be right now, you're just like, God, I want wisdom. I want discernment. I want insight into these critical areas of my life. I want to be set for life. I want to set my life up well. Just reach out to God and just receive it right now. Father, speak to hearts, speak to lives for people wherever they're at, whatever situations they're facing, whatever they're involved in. Give them wisdom, Lord. Give them insight into those situations. And for all of us, Father, I pray we'd we'd experience the desire welling up within us to build our lives well, to honour you, to honour others, to honour the life that you've given us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's just keep our, our eyes closed, our heads bowed just for a few more moments. You know, um, what I've spoken out of tonight, I guess, is I think the heart of God for us to to do life well. And uh, living in our society in our day, it's, it's not hard. If you just open your eyes, you see the opposite. You see people wrecking themselves on on some of the things that we're actually encouraged to wreck ourselves with. And it's it's pretty sad, but... You know, God's got a different route. God cares for you more than that. And often we find ourselves in a world full of voices that, you know, are stirring us or challenging us or encouraging us to try and to give in to temptation and to throw our lives around as if they don't matter, as if they're of no value. I just want to tell you tonight, God values you. He values your life and you might be in this place and you you might even say to me, well, I'm not really sure I know God. Um, I I just want to tell you, he knows you, whether, whether you feel you know him or not. He knows you. The Bible tells us that his eye is even on the sparrow. And so he knows you. He knows you probably better than you know yourself, even if you've never opened your heart or reached out to him. But tonight, just as we close... Just in these closing few moments, I want to give you the opportunity to reach out to God yourself. Maybe you've never done that before. Friend, I believe his presence is in this place. He loves you. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came willingly, laid his life down, paid a price so that we could come back into relationship with our creator God. And you might be here tonight. You'd say, Chris, I I don't have that, but I want that. So just while every head's bowed, just while our eyes are closed, people have just got that moment between them and God. Friend, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith because I want to, I want to know and I want to pray with you tonight. Come on, if that's you and you'd say, Chris, I need to enter into a relationship with God. I need to open my heart to Jesus. I might not know everything about it, but I know I don't want to leave this place until I do. Come on, if that's you, why don't you raise your hand right where you are, right where you are. God bless you, mate. I see you right down the front. You can put your hand down again. Come on, others in this place, really quickly. You just say, Chris, 
man, I, I need God in my life. I need to meet Jesus. I need something to happen that changes my direction. Come on, if that's you. Yeah, awesome, mate. God bless you. You put your hand out. Yeah, God bless you, mate. That's, that's fantastic. Great decision. Just one more moment. Come on, one more moment. If that's you. And you, you just sense God is knocking on the door of your heart tonight. And you just want to take a big step towards him. I don't know what your journey has been, but I know this, God's ready. God's ready to come into your life tonight if, if you're ready for that, if you want that. One more one more moment. Come on, if that's you. That's fantastic. God bless you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yep, God bless you, mate. I see you over there. That's awesome too. It's fantastic. Wonderful. Well, I just want to pray for you. Come on, let's... Well, with their heads bowed, Father, I thank you for people in this place that have just opened their hearts to you, that are reaching out to you. Something on the inside of them is crying out to you, and I believe it's your spirit at work in them, stirring them up, opening their hearts, urging them towards you. Father, I thank you for meeting them right where you're at, by your spirit, in their heart of hearts. Touch them right where they stand. In Jesus' name, let them know your love. Let them know your acceptance. Let them know your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, why don't we encourage people who've just made that decision tonight? That is one of the best decisions you can ever make. Hey, I've got to tell you, it doesn't guarantee life will be smooth. I've followed Jesus now for 34 years doesn't guarantee life will be smooth, but it does guarantee this. If you stay open to Jesus, you'll never walk it alone. You'll never be alone again. No matter what life throws at you, you'll never be alone again. In Jesus' name, it's a wonderful thing. So we're going to pray together. And uh, if you responded, I'm going to encourage you to make this prayer your own. It's a very simple prayer. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life. I'll follow you. Amen. Amen. And James is going to come and tell you what you can do next. But let's determine to build our lives with wisdom.